It's a joy to see all of you in the house of God this day. What a privilege we have to turn to the book. I suppose on a few occasions through the past year, you will remember me introducing the reading of the scriptures in a particular way and saying these words, let us turn to this word of life, this book of books, this God-breathed word. It's certainly within our uh, thinking today to consider the word that we refer to, how it is in very truth a God-breathed word. We, we can drift away from God. Just think of this book as any other book. That would be a serious, that would be a serious mistake. It's the God-breathed word. Have you been reading God's word this week? Did you think to pray over its pages? Did you ask the Lord in a particular manner to write that word into the depths of your soul? We don't want to lose out with God or drift away from God because of the times in which we live. It's a, it's a privilege, yes, to turn to the book, to this chapter, to the narrative that's so well known to many of you now. Nevertheless, verse 8 is where we begin. Luke's Gospel in the chapter 2. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. 
And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Praise the Lord for the reading of his precious word this day and the preaching of it to you. Luke's Gospel again, chapter 2, and I want to draw your attention to a beautiful verse in verse 19. Luke chapter 2 and verse 19, just after the shepherds have visited Mary and Joseph to worship the Lord in the manger in Bethlehem, and they've made their way back again. We read the words, Luke chapter 2, verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I trust the Lord will really apply this verse to your hearts this morning and encourage each and every one, whatever you're going through, that the Lord will bless his word to your hearts. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Let's pray together and ask the Spirit of God to really apply these words to our lives today. Let's pray. Father, we thank thee today for this precious book that we have in our hands. Lord, thy word says that you have magnified your word above your very name. And we're so thankful today for the Holy Spirit that inspired this book. And we pray, O oh Father, that it would please thee to send the Holy Spirit in great power and great measure into this sanctuary. And we pray, O oh Father, that we might have a real experience of the Spirit of God speaking to the inner man. And grant, O oh God, today that as we leave this place, the Word of God might be written upon our hearts so we might take it home and turn it over in our minds and ponder it within us and that God might serve to lead us into a deeper experience with our God. Lord, lead us on with thyself. Bless each one gathered here. Thank thee, Lord, for every individual within these walls and for others, O oh God, that are joining us online from their homes and from other places perhaps as well. We pray, Father, that thou will glorify and uplift the Savior and grant that all things will redound to the honor and praise and glory of our God. We give thanks in the Savior's name and we pray for the help and for the infilling of God the Holy Spirit. Hear and answer prayer. We ask it in the precious and worthy name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Beloved, this morning, I believe that it's safe to say that we are more and more living in a day and in a generation where almost nothing is sacred anymore. The sanctity of the home has been brought into question. The sanctity of marriage has been cast to one side. The sanctity of God's Word for many counts for nothing. The sanctity today of worship, the sanctity of God's house, the sanctity of God's name, and even the sanctity of the Lord's day for many people count for very little, if anything, at all. The sanctity of these things is all but God. And sadly, even among professing Christians, we are living in a day, whenever it comes to holy things, holy things cause very little humility and sanctity of heart in the day and age in which we're living. Even amongst professing Christians, it seems that very little is sacred anymore. For the modern Christian and for the modern church, there's very little that causes us to be still. There's very little that causes the modern Christian to be silent and reverent. There's very little that causes the modern day believer to spend time in God's presence with a hallowed heart and to be still before God. And it seems that there's very little that really causes us to stand in awe and wonder and love and in praise of the God that we profess to serve. We seem to live in a society where nothing is sacred. We can so flippantly and so easily say, well, God told me this and God said that and we sing hymns together. We come to God's house with a skip, with a spring in our step. We go home again and our lives are untouched and our lives are unchanged. And we seem to know very little of the reality of sacred experiences in the Christian life. We skip in and skip out of the presence of God and it doesn't change us. And even now, modern day pastors and preachers and ministers will put up posts on Facebook of their, their study, their Bibles open. There's an electronic device beside it. There's maybe a cup of coffee and a donut sitting and maybe a secular book there in the corner of the screen or, or some other thing just to get the attention of the people and maybe a couple of feet up on the desk. And, and even the study of God's Word and the seeking of God's face has become a very shallow and a very superficial thing, something we do almost to relax. And it seems that very little, if anything, is sacred anymore. But here in Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, Mary, the mother of our Lord, has had a very, very deep spiritual experience. Not just in the manger, around the manger in Bethlehem, but even in the weeks and months leading up to that, Mary has had the privilege of deep, intimate, sacred experiences with God. I believe it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say that Mary, out of all of humanity, has been entrusted with one of the greatest 
privileges that any individual in human history has been given. Mary has had the privilege, the inestimable privilege, of being the instrument that God has used to bring the Messiah, the Savior, into the world. And whenever this experience has been brought to fruition, and the shepherds have come to Bethlehem to worship the Savior, what is Mary's response? It simply says in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 19, But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I would suggest to you this morning that Mary's response to sacred experience is a lot different than the response multitudes in our day and generation would make to sacred experiences in their life. I don't believe that Mary was the kind of person to go out and to speak publicly and speak loudly and brashly and almost arrogantly of all of the experiences that she's been through. I don't think she was a type of individual that posted her experiences on social media and say, look what I have done, look where I have been, look what I have experienced. On the contrary, Mary, but Mary, kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. What things? But I believe there are three words that we could use to describe Mary's sacred experiences right up until this point concerning the coming of the Savior. First of all, there's revelation. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse number 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. And there Mary receives revelation that she as a virgin is going to be the vehicle that God is going to use to bring his son into this world in human form. And she receives this divine revelation from heaven from an angel, the angel Gabriel. And what a revelation it was, Mary, you are going to be used by Almighty God to bring Israel's Messiah, the Savior of the world, into this world of ours. Revelation. But Mary kept all those things and pondered them in her heart. And then not only revelation, but conception. Luke chapter 2 and verse 1 begins, It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And then it goes on to say in verse 5 that Mary was great with child. And then verse number 6, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Verse number 7, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Jesus was her firstborn son. Mary had other children. We don't believe in what the Roman Catholic Church would call the perpetual virginity of the Virgin Mary, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the man Christ Jesus, was her firstborn son. And there was conception. And Mary knew who this son was that she was bringing into the world. And after revelation, there was conception and deliverance. But still Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Lo, in a manger lies the King of Angels. 
But Mary kept those things and pondered them in her heart. And then from verse number 8 down to verse number 20, visitation. The first visitors to worship the newborn king were a company of shepherds just outside the town of Bethlehem. We're not sure how many shepherds there were. There may have been three. There might only have been two. There may have been five or six. We're not sure how many shepherds there were. But as Mary and Joseph were sitting around that manger, shepherds came to worship the newborn king. And I just wondered, did those shepherds rehearse to Mary and Joseph? Their account of the angel visiting them and the heavens being filled with the multitude of the heavenly hosts. And what a wonderful story that would have been to tell. And as they fellowshiped and worshipped together around the newborn king, and at last the shepherds that visited went on their way, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I want to speak for a little while this morning very simply upon this text of Scripture. And I've entitled this message, A Response, A Spiritual Response to a Sacred Experience. Spiritual Response to a Sacred Experience. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I believe as we look at this verse of Scripture this morning, on the surface at least we see something of the disposition of Mary, or the character of Mary, or the type of heart and mindset that Mary had. I believe as Christians, we should hold Mary in high regard. Mary was blessed among women. Mary was highly favored. Mary is described in Scripture as being the mother of our Lord. She's described in the Bible as being blessed among women, highly favored. And we should hold Mary in high esteem. We should not worship her. But I believe we should certainly honor her memory. Because it seems that out of all of the individuals that we read about in Holy Scripture, Mary was entrusted by God for the most sacred task of all, being the earthly mother of our Lord's humanity, bringing him into the world and watching over him in his infancy, in his childhood, and in his teenage years. And a quick survey of the Gospels will soon show us a lot about the disposition or the character of Mary. For example, if we go back to Luke chapter 1 and verse number 38, you see that Mary was submissive. Luke 1, 38, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, or behold, I am but a servant of the Lord, a handmaid for the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. Mary was absolutely submissive for whatever the will of God was for her life and for whatever the word of God would say to her, whatever your word is, Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. I want nothing more and nothing more, nothing less in my life other than what the Word of God says. There we see Mary had a submissive heart. 
I wonder this morning, are we absolutely yielded to the word of God for our lives? Can we say, Lord, whatever your word is for me, be it unto me according to thy word. Lord, I don't want anything more than the word of God has. And I certainly don't want anything less. Whatever the word of God is, whatever the will of God is for my life, Lord, I'm willing to submit. Mary had a submissive disposition. Mary as well had a spiritual disposition. Verse number 46. After Mary receives this remarkable news, it says, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. And we have what old theologians used to call a magnificat. And it's Mary's song of praise and worship to her God. Her response to this remarkable revelation is thanksgiving, praise, and worship. And so we know that Mary was submissive. We know that Mary was spiritual. We also know according to John chapter 2 and verses 3 through 5 that Mary was surrendered. Whenever the Lord was about to perform his first miracle in Cana of Galilee and they had run out of wine and they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. And then Mary turns to the servants and says to them, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. There's a surrendered life. Whatever the Lord says to me, I'm willing to do it. And she tells others, therefore, Whatever the Lord says to you, just do it. Let the Lord have his way. In your life every day, there's no rest and there's no peace until the Lord has his way. And this is unconditional obedience to Jesus Christ. Whatsoever he saith unto you, just do it. God's ways are always best. And if God asks you to do something, do it without questioning. Do it without slumbering or halting. Just do whatever the Lord asks you to do. Mary's disposition, she was submissive, she was spiritual, she was surrendered, she was also steadfast. Because whenever you get to John chapter 19 and all of the disciples have forsook the Lord and fled in the garden of Gethsemane, and then John comes back whenever the Lord is being crucified upon the cross. We read these tremendous words. Neither stood. John 19, 25. And the, the tense of the verb stood there also denotes past tense. It really reads, neither had stood and there are still standing. They're stood by the, the cross of Jesus, his mother. And his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And just a handful of faithful women were at the cross whenever the Savior was being crucified. You know, I believe today that the Bible, the Word of God, exalts womanhood to a place that society wants to bring women down from. If you read your Bible carefully, you'll discover that God places tremendous honor and tremendous responsibility upon women. 
It was women who were last at the cross. It was also women who were first at the tomb. And the first woman that we read about at the cross was the Lord's own mother, Mary. And so we see that Mary, throughout her entire life, all of the 33 years that we read about Mary, from the birth of the Lord to the death of the Lord, it seems that Mary had a submissive, spiritual, surrendered, and steadfast disposition. But the verse that we're thinking about this morning, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, shows us her humility. Mary was a very humble woman. We have said already that God entrusted her with maybe the greatest responsibility that any human being on the face of earth, other than Jesus Christ himself, was given. And yet Mary was not puffed up, Rather, she kept all these things and she pondered them in her heart. It would have been so easy for Mary to be filled with pride. So easy for Mary to become a, a kind of spiritual blueheart or showboat and, and testify and tell everybody else about the great responsibility and the great privileges and the great blessings that God has entrusted her with. And out of everybody else, he chose me for this sacred task, but it seems that Mary did not want any glory at all for herself. Mary was humble. She showed humility. She also showed composure. She didn't rush out and tell the world what had just happened that night in Bethlehem. On the contrary, it simply says she kept these things and pondered them in her heart. She showed tremendous composure. Proverbs 10 and verse 19 says, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. And I therein see Mary's great wisdom. And then in Proverbs 16 and verse number 32, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh his city. Mary showing great composure. Proverbs 29 and verse number 11 records, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. Is not Mary a woman of great humility, a woman of great composure, and a woman of great wisdom? She wasn't the type of woman to go out and be rash with her mouth and testify of what she has been doing and where she has been and what she has heard and seen and experienced. Mary's not the type of person to rehearse rumors or scandal or gossip. She's a woman of humility, a woman of composure, and I believe primarily a woman of reverence. She's just experienced this deep, and intimate dealing with her God. And maybe more so than anyone in history, she's been blessed. And yet she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. It was almost too sacred an experience to immediately go out and tell everybody about. She's just getting it together in her heart. So we see the disposition of Mary. 
I believe as well we see the appreciation of Mary, that word kept. It literally means to keep closely together, to keep it all tightly together. It means to guard. It means to treasure. In fact, the word that is translated kept here in Luke chapter 2 and verse 19 is translated preserved. In Luke 5 and verse 38, she preserved or treasured all of these things in her heart. It literally means that these things that she has heard and experienced were of great value and great worth to her, and she appreciated them greatly, and she doesn't want to lose them. She doesn't want to let them slip. She wants to keep them and treasure them and preserve them because they were precious to her. The idea is that Mary understood something of the deep and unique value of the grace of God in her life. It seems that she has a great understanding of it. In the previous chapter, she, she says in Luke chapter 1 and verse, it says, verse 28, Thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Fear not, Mary, thou hast found favor with God. And she counted that a tremendous treasure worth holding on to. God has blessed me. God has chosen me. The Word of God has come to me, and God has a wonderful plan and purpose for my life, and I appreciate it so much. I'm so thankful for it. I'm greatly humbled by it, and I don't want to lose this blessing. And I believe today that every true Christian should have that same spirit of appreciation. Beloved, this morning, if you're saved by the grace of God, the Bible says that we have been chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world. And we are loved with an everlasting love, a love that is unconditional. God says, I will love them freely. And on a cross, the Son of God shed his blood and died for us. And there was a time in our lives whenever we were far from God, without God in this world, and we were dead in sins, and then the Holy Spirit came and convicted us of our sins and opened our hearts and opened our eyes to behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And whenever we were born again of the Spirit of God and we trusted Jesus Christ as our Savior, Jesus Christ took up residence in our lives. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And He has promised He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. His grace is sufficient for every trial. He has gone to prepare a place for us. And he has promised to supply all of our needs. And he's promised one day to come back again for us. And it's all God's grace. And therefore, we of all the people in our world should be filled with a spirit of appreciation. Mary had something precious. And she kept it. It was something that as well she wanted to protect. 
The word keep there, it really means to keep from ruin, to treasure it, to protect it, to put a shield around about it, lest somebody would come in and, and steal it or destroy it or mar it or defile it in some way. Mary understood this. Maybe many things that she doesn't understand, but I understand this, what I have heard and what I have just experienced and where I am now presently as a believer in God, there are many people that will not understand what I have been through. There are many people that just will not accept it. There are people out there that will not believe it. And there are people out there that will want to steal or mar the blessing that God has given me. People will want to rob me of the joy that I have have in being in the very center of God's will for my life. And I believe today that there are times in the lives of every Christian whenever God deals with his people. I'm sure today as a believer, you can look at times in your life whenever you knew God has spoken to me. Or you've been through a trial and God has met you there. And you've experienced grace, and you've experienced God, and you've experienced guidance. And it's a very real and a very precious thing to you. Maybe the calling of God in your life, and it's a very real and a very sacred thing. And it's a thing that needs to be preserved. Because friends, there are people out there, and there are even people in the church, and they will want to rob you of that blessing. They'll want to mar that blessing. They'll not understand it. Or they might look at it with scorn and with suspicion and cause you to doubt your experience and rob you of that joy. It's so important to ponder these things and keep them in our hearts because there's a lot of wet blanket Christians about, a lot of cold water Christians, and they want to rob other believers of the blessing of God. And you need to be so careful. Mary's disposition, Mary's appreciation. Think as well about Mary's consideration. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, the word ponder there is a, an interesting word. It's a compound word. That literally just means it's made up of two other words brought together. One word is the word for together, and then the verb to throw, soon ballow, to throw together. That's really what the word pondered means. And Mary has received words from the Lord. Mary has been through the deep experience of bringing the Son of God into the world. And now the shepherds have come and they have told Mary how they got there and why they're there. And Mary is taking all of these things over a period of, of over nine months and bringing them all, throwing them all together. The things that she has seen, the things that she has heard, the things that she has experienced, and she's bringing them all together and she's pondering them in her heart. The same word is translated, conferred. In Acts 4.15, it's translated encountered. In Acts 17.18, it's translated met with us. In Acts 20 and verse 14, all of the promises that God has given her, all of the prophecies of Old Testament Scripture, 
all of her recent experiences, and all of the implications of what this means for her life, for her family, for her nation, and for the world at large. She's bringing them, throwing them all together, and bringing them together in her heart and in her mind. And she's carefully considering them, combining them, thinking about them, and undoubtedly praying over them, pondering them in her heart, in the inner man. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, Christianity is a thinking man's religion, and it is. Christianity today is a thinking man's religion. Do you remember the, the blessed man in Psalm number one? Blessed is he that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. It's the same thought, same idea, pondering the things of God in his heart and in his mind day and night. It's like the clean animal that you read about back there in Leviticus chapter 18. The, the clean animal was marked out by two distinct signs. One was outward and the other one was inward. One was with reference to the animal's walk, the cloven or the parted hoof. Whenever that animal's footprint was seen in the ground, it was noted that its, its hoof is parted. It's a divided hoof. It's a separated hoof. It marks out a walk that is separated. But then there was also an inward sign. The, the clean animal not only had to have a, a separated walk outwardly, but inwardly it chewed the cud. Ate the grass, like the, 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 the bullock in the field. And it chews the cud, and it chews it, and it chews it, and it regurgitates it, and it chews it over and over and over again. And that's really the, the, the thought between this word pondered, that Mary is turning these things over in her heart, meditating upon them, drawing all of the, the nourishment out of the Word of God and her sacred experience into her life. And this is a wonderful blessing in the life of a child of God. Whenever we ponder the Word of God and the dealings of God in our lives, Psalm 39, verse number 3, the psalmist David said, My heart was hot within me while I was musing, pondering the fire burned. While I was musing, the fire burned. The two discouraged disciples on the road to Emmaus, hearts were heavy, heads were down, shoulders were down, they're walking back home. Everything that they had hoped would come to pass somehow seems to have fallen in ashes at their feet. And Jesus himself drew near and went with them and began to speak to them. And then opened the scriptures and beginning at Moses, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and all the prophets spoke unto them the things concerning himself. And then their eyes were opened and at last they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us? While he spoke to us, and while he walked with us, by the way, it was the Word and sacred experience coming together that caused their hearts to burn. I believe, perhaps, if we're honest, we have lost in the evangelical church this art of meditation. Be still 
and know that I am God. We sometimes, whenever we think about the word meditation, we think about Eastern religions and some guru sitting in the top of a mountain someplace with his, his hands folded and his, his legs crossed and his eyes closed trying to empty his mind. And we have the idea that that's meditation. Dear friends, the Bible says the child of God should meditate upon the Word of God day and night. Muse upon it. Ponder it. Turn it over in our minds. Chew upon it. Get all of the nutrients out of it. Hastily, we often read our Bibles. We come to church. We go again like a door on its hinges. But one old Puritan said, meditation is the soul's chewing. Meditation is the soul's chewing. Philip Henry was the brother of the commentator Matthew Henry. And he says, meditation keeps out Satan. Meditation increases knowledge. Meditation inflames love. Meditation works patience. Meditation promotes prayer. Meditation evidences sincerity. What a woman Mary was. Her disposition, her appreciation, her consideration, her meditation. One last thought and we're finished. Her vindication. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. You know, there would be people out there that would say, you know, Mary, she's a fornicator. She's an adulteress. She's been unfaithful. She's been unclean. But Mary did not have to defend herself. She did not have to explain herself to anyone. She did not have to promote herself in all that has gone on. Mary knows I can leave all of these things with my God. There's a verse in Isaiah 49 and verse number 4. It's a remarkable verse. I believe it is reference to the nation of Israel. I believe it's also with reference to our Messiah who was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Isaiah 49, verse number 4, Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain. Have you ever felt like that? That your service for God has been barren and dry and in vain, and you've served the Lord, and it's accomplished very, very little, and yet... The prophet Isaiah says, Yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. My judgment is with the Lord. The Lord knows all about it. I can keep these things and ponder them in my heart. You never need to defend yourself whenever you are in the will of of God. Mary had a much deeper understanding of the things of God than most other people. Like Mary, another Mary that we read about, Mary, the sister of Martha and the sister of Lazarus. Do you remember whenever the Lord came to their home in Luke chapter 10 and verse number 39, Mary sat at the Lord's feet and she heard his word. Martha was in the kitchen cumbered about much serving. But Mary chose that good portion that should not be taken from her, sitting at the Lord's feet and hearing his word. And later on we read in John chapter 12 that the Lord visited their house again. And Mary came with her alabaster box. And she anointed the head of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And she kneeled down before him and she kissed his feet. And people began to question her motives and question her actions. And some even said, this is an absolute waste. And the Lord said, let her alone. She has done what she could. She has come aforehand to what? Anoint my body to the burial. How did she know that? Because whenever everybody else was cumbered about much serving and too busy for the Savior, she was sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to his word, undoubtedly taking his word, and like this Mary, the mother of her Lord, pondering his word in her heart. And then whenever the right time came, the Lord was able to vindicate her. Now this Mary would have all manner of evil said against her. Even the Pharisees in John chapter 8, 41 said to the Lord, we're not born of fornication. Isn't that an awful statement to make about the Son of God? Using that awful, awful word just to describe the Lord, you're nothing but an illegitimate child. Your mother's a fornicator, an adulteress. We're not born of fornication. And they were really having a go at the Lord and having a go at Mary. But the Lord would one day vindicate her, and he has in Scripture before the whole world, that Mary was honest, pure, honorable, and upright. And whenever Mary came with the little boy and presented him in the temple, Simeon stood up and said, This child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. This is the Messiah. This is the Savior. And even whenever Mary stood there at the cross, the Lord vindicated her whenever he said to John, Behold thy mother. Woman, behold thy son. And he vindicated Mary. She just had to keep these things and ponder them in our hearts. That was her response to sacred experience. Do we ever have a sacred experience with God? Does God ever bring you into the, the secret place? And do you ever enter into the closet and just have the Lord speak to you? Have the Lord answer prayer? Have the Lord minister to you? And you enter out into the world and you just keep those things and you ponder them in your hearts. And it's just you and Almighty God. In His presence there is fullness of joy. I trust that God will write His Word upon our hearts even here this morning. Thank you so much for listening.